The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey, welcome to the Crack House Chronicles True Crime Podcast. I am Donnie, and with me is a man that wants to know what it's like being a millionaire if you've ever used a folded piece of bread like a hot dog bun. It's Dale. (laughs) Yeah, we've always done that. You dang right we have. It's eating a banana dog. Yep. You put a banana in a hot dog bun? Yeah. Yeah. My yeah. wife would not have that, but it works, man. Yeah, she didn't eat no banana sandwich. She ain't, she, from, she ain't from here. She don't eat a banana sandwich. No, why not? She ain't from here. I told you, she's a Yankee. Has she had a, ever heard of a banana sandwich? I don't think so. Before they got here, man, banana sandwiches are good. Yeah, banana sandwich, mayonnaise. Oh yeah, Lay's plain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's dang good. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I don't know how we got on that. <laughs> What's going on, dude? What's happening, my friend? I'm 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 having a good day. Man, it's been it's been a good day. Yeah, it's been a very good day. Beautiful outside. Yeah, it's, it's just nice weather. It's pretty. Pretty. Any <laughs> <laughs> good shout outs? Anybody you want to talk about? Yeah, we got a few here I'd like to give a little shout out to. Some uh, some of our friends is dropping by on YouTube and leaving a few comments. The YouTube? Yeah, on the YouTube. Uh freelancer. He dropped by and said that uh during the Sun Drop Murders, which is you can catch in our archives on uh, episode uh, 46, he uh, basically, he said he lived that out, and it was pretty wild, you know, everything was on lockdown, and wow. we, dropping, we appreciate you uh, dropping in and giving us those comments, man. Oh, man. That was pretty cool. also want to give a shout out to Eileen Mayer. She said that she had actually met Ronald DeFeo from the Amityville episode number 96 while he was in prison and got to meet him a little bit so it was kind of weird mm-hmm. anyway so he's getting ready to get a really good read on him so he must have been he's just kind of i guess ready to live it out i guess i guess so and also a shout out to two pot nine t-w-o-p-o-t number nine and they said that they were really glad that dad found us and they love the show and uh if you love a brother just keep on sharing we appreciate it yeah thanks so much to all you guys and everybody who goes and Spends there a little few minutes uh, leaving us a comment. Yeah, but just a little note on YouTube. We are a little behind getting uploaded to that. We apologize. My bad. No, it's, it's all good. We just, um, it takes a little bit more to put it on YouTube because you have to render it to a video. And we just, you know, it, once we get the podcast put out on all the platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all that, you know, we're pretty much done and we need to focus more on getting it to YouTube. But, yeah, we're a little bit behind, about three or four episodes, I think. Yeah, sorry about that. That's all right. But we'll get it and get it um, caught up pretty soon. Get earned right. Yep. Well, if anybody wants to go over to the store page and get you a T-shirt, get you a mug, get you some kind of merchandise. We appreciate it. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Or yeah. click on the donate button and help support the cause. That sure comes in handy. It does. Maybe you can get us some new equipment here soon. Yeah, we need to be looking into some mics and different things. Some boom things, man. Yep. Whatever you call them. Yep. <laughs> Booms. Yeah. All right, dude. We are going to get into this week's case. Did you order a pizza for this? I did not order a pizza for this. Okay. 
but I think somebody's going to order a pizza for this. Because mm. uh, we have got a hell of a story, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah we, I had never heard of this. We always say that this one is always <laughs> crazy, but, <laughs> man, this one. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's out there. Yeah. And our our buddy Ben Richardson from South Carolina, he's going to get a kick out of this one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, he probably knows him. He probably does. <laughs> so, being uh, this Sh- one. Shout out, Ben. How you doing, brother? All right. This is for Ben. But, yeah, this is from South Carolina. So, we're going to get into this one, Let's man. Let's get into it. We're going to where we're going first. Where it's uh, Columbia, I believe. Yeah. Uh, Columbia, South Carolina. This is where a, a guy named Mitchell Carlton Sims was born. And he was born there on February the 12th, 1960. Right. And Dale, he was the youngest of three kids. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a whole lot of a whole lot of information about his his siblings or his parents that we can uh, really find. This is a tough case to research, so yeah. bear with us. We've got a lot of details, but it's it was hard to put everything together and and get it all lined up. But we're going to go through it and give the most we can. It's going to be good. Oh yeah, that's going to be very good. Now, by all accounts, Mitch Sims, Dale, he had a pretty rough childhood, man. Yeah, I'd say I'd say that that would uh, be kind of spot on there. Yeah, it was pretty rough. It's, we've had some rough ones, but you know what? Little we do know about uh, Mitch is uh, not good. Yep, I think when he was about seven years old, he had a stepfather that came into the picture. Right, and he was pretty verbally and physically abusive toward him. Yeah, even when I think when he was in kindergarten, maybe a year or two before this, he was actually hitting Mitch with closed fists. Yeah, I mean, just going off on him. Yeah, so I think with I think actually his dad was uh, pretty abusive too. So his mom got him out of that, and then kind of like uh, right back into worse. Yeah, sounds like wasn't no better with the stepdad. Yeah, and he, the real dad couldn't be. Well, I guess he could, but I don't know. If this is going to be any, he would have been as bad as this fellow. Yeah, but when he was about seven years old, Mitchell's stepfather began sexually abusing him. Mm-hmm. And he'd been, it'd been reported that he was t- uh, pretty traumatizing for him. Oh, I'm sure. And he would get kind of withdrawn and reclusive sometimes. Yeah, probably just sit around. And, I mean, what are you going to do? You can't tell anybody. I mean, it's... You can, but, I mean, who's going to... Well, I mean, his family, you know, because I'm sure everybody's getting their... Every, I'm sure he was ditching it out to everybody. Yeah, and he was because the stepfather would force Mitchell to have sex with his siblings mm-hmm. and even his mother its own mother yes now this was a little bit later than when he was seven but when he was a young teen or as uh adolescent yeah, it definitely was forcing him to do these things yeah and that kind of takes the cake from all the ones we've heard before and this is going to shape mitchell sims i guess into the person he becomes Ooh. you know yeah yeah it's bad i mean it's this is the worst that i've ever it's it's i I just it's kind of i'm kind of stumbling on my words because i can't think of what i want to say but man forcing you to have sex with your own mother is just kind of yeah it's it's like damn somebody (laughs) i can say somebody needs to be be beating the stepdad with closed fists (laughs) yeah definitely yeah beat the brakes off of him yeah yep but now when mitch turned 18 dale he enlisted in the army do you blame him no trying to get the hell out of dodge yep I think that's probably what he wanted to do, just to change his life a little bit. Yeah. I mean, you think about it, a lot of people are, you know, when they sign up for the military, like, man, this is going to be rough. 
he was probably thinking this is going to be a vacation from what I've been through. Exactly. Any kind of drill sergeant's got to be better than this. Yeah. But he, from all accounts, he was a, a good soldier. Yeah. He done what he was told and uh, it been reported that, you know, he done pretty well. He could have moved on up into the Army if he wanted to. Right. Unfortunately, he was dishonorably discharged yeah. after two years. <laughs> yeah. This idea wasn't too good. No. Uh, apparently, he got involved with uh, an officer's wife. Yeah. And he made a plan, Dale. Yeah, he really wanted to be with this lady. So he uh, he came up with this master plan of how they could make it work. Yeah, he was going to have a an army buddy shoot him. And they were going to blame it on the officer. Yeah. And his army buddy actually did shoot him. He did. <laughs> well, you know, it's a flesh wound or something, but shooting, shooting, I guess. But they were going to uh, shoot him and then put the gun in the officer's hand. Somehow, I don't know. It doesn't even make sense. No. Really. <laughs> but whatever. Yeah. But they were going to place the blame on this this officer. Right. Yeah. But I think the, the military and the army, they... They seen right through that. Yeah, they didn't. Yeah, so I don't know. You think maybe he maybe stole a gun from while he was ever seeing the wife using the officer's gun, and yeah. then would just plant the gun, you know, if, and make the ballistics match up or something. Yeah, but I, I don't know. It's just it's not a very well thought out plan. Yeah, that's got to be a good friend of mine. Hey man, you shoot me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Mitchell, he ended up. Uh, in uh, Fort Leavenworth, Kansas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was there for about two years. Yeah, so he didn't end up being in the military too long, even though he was a good soldier and had. <sighs> he's he seemed to have a good future coming in until all this happened. Yep, man, he was dishonorably discharged, like we said. Yep, was into Leavenworth. Yep. Now, by 1980, Mitchell Sims was 20 years old. And he had spent about two years in the military, and he was trying to get his life together. And he returned to Columbia, South Carolina, and he ended up marrying a childhood friend of his, <laughs> and her name was Teresa. And she was 16. 16 years old. So childhood, still childhood. Yeah, he's 20, and she's 16. Right. But they ended up having three kids together. Yep. So we're going to move just a little bit ahead to January of 1985. And after five years, you know, he'd been out of the military. He's 25 years old. And he started working as a manager at a Domino's Pizza in Columbia. Hmm. So he started out as manager, you think? Yeah, I don't know. He might have started out, you know, maybe delivery boy. and Works his way up or something? Uh, maybe so. But anyway, he was manager at Domino's. Yes. Right. And he was doing pretty well there from all accounts. Mm-hmm. While uh, Mitch was working at this Domino's, he you know he was a little bit older than the rest of the people working there, Dale. Right, and he was kind of like the partier, the I don't know, just the well, if you think rough and tough guy. If you think about it, he's probably, I mean, he had a rough childhood, so he really didn't have one. Mm-hmm. So he's probably like the the clown guy, and he was doing goofy stuff and wanted everybody to like him, even though he was a little older. He wanted to hang out with the younger crowd and and do these things, and uh, he had a little party trick he liked to do. Yeah. So, yeah, he liked to call himself the human ashtray. And he would take a cigarette and... A lit cigarette. A lit cigarette, (laughs) yes, and put it out on his bare chest. On his chest. Yes. 
now. That might make you really popular in some circles, but some people are going to go, this guy's really weird. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, that was one of his uh, little things there to trying to get everybody to like him. I think he was just trying to get a little attention because he probably never, ever had any. Mm-hmm. But now he had started working as a manager there at Domino's Pizza in Columbia, South Carolina. And from all accounts, he was doing pretty well there. Mm-hmm. You know, making money and had a good job, keeping the family together. Yeah. Raising three three youngins. Three youngins. And, you know, he liked working there. But there was a dispute between him and his boss about some kind of low pay or a bonus or something. Yeah, it's, it's not really clear. It was a bonus or something. But either he got he didn't get the bonus or it was like a portion of the bonus or something about money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there was a falling out between them. Yeah. He got a portion of it, like you said, or something. But anyway, he was... He was pissed off. Yeah, he was pretty pissed yeah and he what he done he tried to get everyone that worked there to quit yeah he's like we'll just get everybody to quit and, and we're we'll gonna show pro- them we're gonna protest right but as far as trying to you know organize a strike against the company uh, he wanted to start a you know working for a picketing company to you know picket against uh dominoes so he was trying to hire a picketing company or yeah working for oh okay so and i didn't even know this existed he, until not too long ago when you see people protesting on tv now and then yeah. you find out there's ads to join our protest and we'll get paid and take you over and all you gotta do is hold a sign or whatever so yeah he was, this is pretty wild that it goes back that far yeah but he was trying to get his co-workers to join in on him but uh they weren't joining in well do you blame them no huh? just because you didn't get your money i want to quit my job no and this made him more pissed yeah and even pretty much bitter in 1985 he was fed up with the way everything was yep. uh, being treated. And he sent a complaint to the corporate offices of yeah, Domino's. That's, that's like uh, Michigan, I think. Yes. Yeah. But he never got a response. Well, imagine that. Yeah. But he did quit his job, and he worked a, a series of odd jobs. <laughs> so the whole time he was doing all this stuff, he was still working. Yeah. <laughs> Even though he was... I'm mad, but I still need money. Yeah, he was having to support <laughs> his wife and three kids. Right. Yeah. But his marriage was starting to fall apart yeah yeah Yeah. he had uh started having an affair with another woman yeah that always makes it better and dale he had met this woman during the strike that he tried to orchestrate so is she one of the picketers i don't know i don't know how she why she was even there or how she came into the picture exactly i don't even know but all we know is they met during this time yes during this time of picketing against (laughs) domino's pizza there in columbia south carolina right but this woman's name uh, was Ruby Carolyn Paget, right? And she was born in 1965. Gotcha. Yep. So she's a little younger than him. Just a little bit younger than him, about five years younger. I think she was 19 when they met her. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. But she had uh, come from a pretty impoverished family. Mm-hmm. She wasn't any better of a childhood than Mitch had. Right. You know, she had abusive parents, and father was an alcoholic, and he would regularly beat ruby's mom in front of her yeah they just moved from trailer park to trailer park probably probably getting thrown out every trailer park for being so abusive and raging alcoholic yeah so when ruby was about 15 years old she got out of there yeah she ran away from home yeah pretty rough life and she was like she was even when she was living at home sleeping from couch to couch yeah just going wherever somebody that would take her in 
Yeah, bed to bed, house to house, whatever, whatever mm-hmm. she, whatever she had to do to get somebody to take care of her. Yeah, but we're gonna post pictures of Mitch and Ruby. But Ruby was a fairly pretty girl. Yeah, so it probably wasn't too hard for her to find some some man to help take her in for a while. Yeah, and then she was using them just like they were probably using her, and and then it went, she would stay there for a while, probably until either they started beating her or whatever, or then. She'd find somebody better who would could do a little better job of taking care of her, and then mm-hmm. she would just keep going. I'm sure it was a pretty vicious cycle. Yeah, pretty much back and forth. Right. So in the summer of 85, that's when she met Mitch. Their connection was pretty instant. I mean, well, they ended up like a connection. They, well, had, they had a pretty solid connection from the get-go. Yeah, because nobody understood them like they understood each other because they yeah. come from the same place. Yeah. So, you know crappy childhoods yeah you know i'm mm-hmm. sure uh, they they probably had a deep connection there just for that reason and they probably had a lot to talk about especially with their childhoods mm-hmm. <laughs> but they ended up moving into a trailer in north charleston south carolina mm-hmm. and they were going to start their life there together so basically he just left his wife and kids and took ruby and moved to the trailer park yeah in north charleston okay and get this mitch Started working at a Domino's. No. Yes. <laughs> I guess, hell, he's, I mean, he's got experience, so they can need money, and that's probably an easy hire, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. You'd think. But he started out as a delivery driver. Yeah. they had. Uh, I think they only offered him a, a part-time job as, delivery, as a delivery driver, and him being an ex-manager probably kind of pissed him off. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. You know, and he, he was still pissed off about the other place i mean he said he always uh brought up how he really wanted to violently violently hurt or kill his old bosses and, you know and just do anything and then even went so far as he went and bought a, a 25 caliber pistol mm. so you know this is gonna not end well but he's already they're all they're already doing drugs they're drinking a lot they're uh probably just any kind of drug they can get their hands on yeah they ain't making much money probably enough just to pay the rent and get high and stay pissed off as far as he goes. But Ruby wasn't working, so Mitch had to take care of both of them. Right, for some reason. Yeah. But like we said, uh, Mitch started working just Domino's in November of 1985. And this was just north of uh, Charleston. It was a town called Hanahan, mm-hmm. South Carolina. And he was working just Domino's. Working at Domino's. And delivering pizzas, like we said. Right. And it was kind of a, a big slap on the face for him. Yeah. Because, you know, he'd been manager before the Domino's. Now he's just delivering pizzas. Right. And he'd been only working there just a couple of weeks, and his vehicle broke down. Yep. So guess what? He couldn't afford to get it fixed. Yep. And he can't deliver on foot. No, you cannot. You know, and he'd already promised, you know, uh, Ruby really wanted to go to California, and like she's wanted to go out there and live the big dream. So he'd already promised, you know, that he would get her out there somehow, and now they're broke. I'd read that she wanted to be an actress. Well, yeah, she wanted to go live the Hollywood dream. I guess so. So he promised her he'd get her out there, but now his part-time job is gone. His truck's broke down. Can't afford to fix it. Aaron is in a hell of a mess now. Yeah. So he devised a little plan. Oh no! You know how he and his plans. Yeah, he had that gun, so he was planning to rob the Domino's where he worked. Where he worked. Because he knew how everything worked. Yeah. Well, you know, inside job, if you already know everything, from especially from being a manager to the other one, he knew the ins and outs of how the money and comes in and how, what they do and what time they do it and all that stuff. Yeah. 
So on December the 4th of 1985, this is when Mitchell decides to rob the Dominoes. And there's not a lot of details on this robbery because both of the employees there, they get killed. So we're going to, you know, we'll talk about that. But spoiler alert. It's big spoiler alert, but there's not a lot of details on it. Right. But on that evening, there were two guys working at this Domino's. Uh, one of them was 24-year-old Gary Melky and 24-year-old Christopher Zare. Chris, he was originally from Oakley, Kansas, and Gary was from Moorhead, North Carolina. And I think they've been pretty good buddies. They went through the Navy together, basic training. I think they're, they're still in the Navy. Yeah, they were still in the Navy. Yeah. And they were working at the Naval Hospital there. Right. They're like orderlies, I believe. Yeah. But they were delivering and working dominoes on the side. Right. Because they weren't making enough money there at the hospital. Yeah, so they both picked up a little job here at Domino's. Yeah, to supplement their income. Mm-hmm. Like I said, they would work at Domino's at night and on weekends, and Chris would help deliver, and Gary would be the assistant manager. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think he was really looking forward to be, or not. He would, That wasn't his goal to be a, the manager of Domino's, but he had worked his way up a little bit. So mm-hmm. Whatever you got to do to get a few more dollars, I guess. But from all accounts, these two guys were pretty upstanding guys. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, they were just really nice guys. So just before midnight, uh, Mitchell came into the Domino's mm-hmm. just before closing. And he waited until he, know, he knew there were only two in the building. Mm-hmm. And he used his gun to get them both on the ground and then cut the cords to the phone line. Right. And he bound both of the men up. With those phone cords. Yes. Mm-hmm. And pretty much trashed the place and took the money. Yeah, well, you know, you know, Domino, especially back then, there's no eat-in or not. And so, it's, you know, there's not going to be many people there. So, And he knew the things were right near the end of the night where they had the most money. So he just waited to come in just like he wanted. Well, you know, and, and plus in 1985, there weren't no, no debit cards or anything like that. So right. they, they, had, oh, yeah. they had cash on hand. Yeah, so it was either cash or check. There wasn't no other way around it. Yeah. The debit card was not a thing. Mm-mm. They may have took a credit card, but, um, you know, that was very rare. Very rare, yeah. yeah. But he came in and trashed the place and took the money. Mm-hmm. But he didn't want to leave any witnesses. Yeah, especially since he worked there and he knew the guys, which to me makes it that much worse. So he, uh, in an execution style, he shot Chris and Gary and left. It was pretty bad. Chris was killed instantly, and Mitchell shot Gary. Yeah, we really don't know how many times Chris was shot, but he was killed. Now, we know that Mitchell had shot Gary four times. Yes. Like once in the temple, once in the jaw, once at the base of the skull, and even in his neck. But for somehow, he didn't die. No, he was shot four times in the head and didn't die. Now, get this. He managed to loosen himself up, get to his truck, and drive to the police station. Just down the road. Yeah, it wasn't very far, but still with four bullets in your head, he ended up doing that. And he managed to get into the police station. This was somewhere between 2 and 2.30 a.m. Yeah. With gunshot wounds. I'm, I'm just blown away by that. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Blood everywhere. So, you know, when he come walking in, it looked like something from Walking Dead, you know? He had teeth missing? Yeah. It looked like he'd just been shot directly in the mouth, because I guess that's probably exit wounds. Yeah. You know, God almighty. Mm-hmm. And he still had the phone cords wrapped around his wrist. Yeah. 
So he had just gotten loose from wherever he's tied up or whatever, but he didn't get the cords off his wrist, but he still was able to drive his truck to the police station. And he did manage to say that there's a robbery at the Domino's. Right. What a damn trooper, man. Oh, yeah. But the police chief there at the time, his name was Melvin Ballou, and he said this guy, I mean, it was just divine intervention for him to be able to get there and tell him all this. What do you think about it, man? There's sitting there, probably not a lot going on because this this town's not very big at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, the door busts open at the police station. This guy comes in with his hands tied, wearing a Domino's uniform, bleeding. All, I mean, all over the place. Mm-hmm. That would probably freak them out. I mean, because you you think there's probably not a, a whole lot of police. Cause it, like I said, it's a pretty small town. Yeah, pretty new town too at this time. Yeah, it wasn't very old. It was just a small town outside of North Charleston. Right. But they did get Gary to the emergency room. Mm-hmm. And they sent an officer with him. Yes. To be able to try to get any information from him they mm-hmm. could, that they could. Sure did. But they managed to get to the Domino's, mm-hmm. and there was blood everywhere. Oh, I'm sure. And they noticed that the phone cords had been removed and that the register and safe were open. Cash is all gone. It was gone. And they got to the back of the store, and that's when they found Chris there. Yep. He was in his Domino's uniform, and he was shot in the head. Yep. And he was also bound with the phone cord, like just like Gary. Yep, pretty sad. Mm, yeah, and, and he was. They found out, you know, he was dead when they found him. Yeah. Now they did call in the the Charleston PD, the crime unit there, to help because they were better equipped with this kind of stuff. Yeah, like I said, you know, they're small. They yeah. just get started out or whatever. And I'm sure Charleston's, you know, probably got a pretty good crime unit. Mm-hmm. And. Yeah, there wasn't no DNA back then. I don't think if they could get anything, they probably couldn't test anything like that. Right. They probably only had a result to fingerprints, and you know how bad that would be in a restaurant. Mm-hmm. There's probably fingerprints everywhere. But they did manage to recover a bullet that had exited the head of one of the guys. It was lodged in the wall. Wow. Wow. And they discovered that it was a twenty five caliber. Right. Yeah, meanwhile, at the hospital, you know, uh, Gary's in critical condition. And they managed to stabilize him enough just to get a description of the shooter to the officer that went with him. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's like, yeah, we know who he is. He's like, a, he's a guy we just hired. It's Mitchell Sims. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. Said they had to keep wiping the blood out of his mouth so he could even speak. I can't imagine, man. Mm-mm. No, I can't imagine at all. What's going through this guy? I mean, can you imagine how much kind of pain this dude's in? Mm-mm, I can't even imagine, man. He's he's a trooper. You chipped a tooth before. I mean, you know, teeth blown out of your head. Yeah. Mm. Can't imagine, man. Can't imagine. No. Yeah. So he he gave him the name and a good physical description of Mitchell. Yeah, and they found the manager for that Domino's, and they was able to pull this guy's his application uh, job application. Yeah. yeah. So I think they called. They talked to some of his family, and I believe it was his mom and maybe his wife. Yeah. And uh, they told him that they knew that he was living in a trailer somewhere with a woman named Ruby Patchett. Yep. So then they tried to call some of her family members, too, but I don't know if they got a hold of any of them. So then they went to the trailer park. They went that night. Yeah. But they had to call in uh, the North. It was in uh, North Charleston, so they had to call in those guys because it's a, a, a different uh, jurisdiction. Yeah. Yeah. But then we got there, they couldn't figure out which trailer it was for some reason. Yeah. But when they couldn't find out which trailer it was, they came back later that morning because... Yeah, it's the middle of the night. Yeah. They went and got a search warrant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and came back. By this time, it was too late because uh, Mitchell and Ruby had managed to flee. Yeah, they had uh, started checking airlines, bus stations, and motels in the area to help with the investigation. Yeah, I think they called in the FBI to make sure they could do all this. Yeah. You know, to 
they could get out with the airlines and all that stuff like you said but um mitchell did uh get away with eleven hundred dollars mm-hmm. from the dominoes right one thousand one hundred dollars but him and ruby they got on a bus that night mm-hmm. and they lit out of town yep they were headed across country across country yep and they ended up in glendale california but getting back to charleston dale police were expanding their efforts and they had received the news that gary Melky had passed away yeah yeah he didn't make it no but he was able to give a lot of information and a lot of testimony yeah up till i guess he passed away yeah it was a couple of days he made it now just to fast forward a little bit to december 8th like we said ruby and mitchell they were arriving glendale california they found their next target deal yep. right away started casing guess where domino's pizza uh, domino's pizza yeah yeah i think they they cased it pretty much the first day they got there and i think they actually went in and asked for directions to a, a hotel or, yeah excuse me a motel yeah so they couldn't afford a hotel <laughs> right and it was, so there was one just down the street from it so they left there and i think they ended up going to a drugstore and bought some socks some underwear um a clothesline and a knife and then headed over to the motel yes so it was around 11 p.m. that night. They got a Domino's there in Glendale, California. They got a call from a man with a southern draw accent. Yep. And he asked for a pizza to be delivered to room 205 at the Regal Motel. Yep. There in Glendale. Right. I think it's a roadway in now, Regal, roadway, Regal. So it's still there. Yeah, it's still there, yeah. Yeah. And room 205 is probably still there, too. Yeah, that'd be pretty wild. Yeah. So he calls in the pizza, and a 21-year-old delivery driver by the name of John Harrigan. Right. He left Domino's at around 1125 or something like that in a Toyota pickup truck to make this delivery. So there were three guys working this late night at this Domino's. Mm Mm-hmm. And the assistant manager, his name was Corey Spiroff. There was a 41-year-old delivery driver there. His name was Ed Sycom. Right. And they were there, Domino's. Yeah, while he went to, to make to, uh, make the delivery, they were getting the money together because that was assuming going to be the last sale of the night. So they were pulling the cash from the drawers and getting ready to make their night deposit. So, mm-hmm. so that's why Ed was helping Corey get everything done. So as soon as John got back, they could get out of there. Yeah. Right. So while they were back there getting the money together, the front door comes open. Yes. And uh, they, they thought it was John. Coming they, back. To, I guess they heard like the bell or whatever they had on their front door, so they knew somebody coming in. Well, they thought it was John coming in. Mm-hmm. They thought they could just, you know. It's time well, to go, yeah. Yeah, they could count up and go home and be done. Right. But. Well, <laughs> yeah. When they come out and looked at the, I guess there in the restaurant, they saw Mitch and Ruby. Mitch and Ruby. Yes. Yep. And they were just uh, standing there. And Mitch. <laughs> Mitch pulls his gun. Right. And he very calmly says, go back in the office. Go back in the office. So Ed was standing just off to the side when Mitch saw him and ordered him to get in the office, too. Yep. And this is when Corey tells him that their delivery driver. Yes, and you better watch out, man, because you don't know if you want to do this, because there's going to be a delivery driver showing up. John's coming back. Yeah. And we don't know when he's coming back, so, you know, better be you know just letting you know. Yeah, trying to warn him, like trying to scare him off, really. And this is when Mitchell opened up his jacket a little bit. He's laughing at him. Yeah. 
and to reveal that he is wearing a Domino's uniform shirt. Yeah, so if you think about it, you know, and he's like, you better watch out, man. These guy's coming back, and he just pulls his shirt open like Superman to reveal he's wearing John's Domino's uniform shirt. Wow. Name tag and all. Yeah. How creepy is that? And he goes, I don't think he's coming back. That's messed up, man. Yeah. Oh, no, I don't think so. Yeah. It's like... It's like something you'd see in a movie, man. Man. So you know them two dudes is like, oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when all hope just fell out. So this is when um, Corey and Ed were told to go behind the the counter, and Mitchell found a bank bag, and he handed it to Ruby to collect the money. Yeah, told her to start collecting the money. And Ruby had a butcher knife, and it was the one, I guess, they bought at the the drugstore. Correct. And she was collecting the money. Mm Mm-hmm. And he was also telling Ruby to watch for fingerprints, and she was wiping everything down that she had touched because mm-hmm. they didn't want to get caught. Right. You know, and this is the perfect time to rob them because they're going to have the max money that they're going to have. Yeah. Yeah. And you'd think being in a, in a different town, it'd be easy to get away with. hmm But it wasn't. Mm-mm. And it was about this time they hear someone come in the store. So I guess the little bell dings again. Yeah, and yeah. someone yells out, hey, is anybody in here? I bet they're like, oh, shit. Yeah, and they recognize the name, the voice, Corey and Ed, they recognize the voice. Yeah, it's like, oh, oh no. Yeah, and it was a co-worker of theirs that just happened to show up to order him and his wife a pizza. Yeah, he just stopped by to say, hey, what's up, guys, and grab a pizza and go home. And his name was Richard Wagner. Right, and it's at this point that uh, Mitchell tells Corey, you need to go out and take care of this and don't don't say nothing while he holds Ed at gunpoint. Yeah. Yeah, or I'll just blow him away. And Corey goes out there to to take his order, and Richard is, you know, trying to be buddy-buddy with him, you know. Yeah, hey, what's up, man? Yeah, and Corey's just business-like, you know, yeah. wouldn't even look at him. Just wouldn't like, look in his eyes or nothing. Can I take your order? He's just writing stuff down, you know. And, and the guy's like, uh, dude, what's going on? It's like. Can I take your order, sir? Yes. <laughs> Just being all serious. And the guy's got like, what the hell's going on? Yeah. So I'm pretty sure, you know, he'd be really confused about why he's acting so weird. So he's pretty lucky that Mitch didn't catch on. Mm-hmm. And it was about this time when the... Phone started ringing. Yeah, the phone started ringing. Yeah. Mitch picks up the phone. Yeah, while Corey is out there talking to Richard, Mitchell comes out of the office smoking a cigarette, <laughs> wearing that Domino's uniform, and picks up the phone. With John's name tag. Yeah, my God. And uh, thanks for calling Domino's. This is Mitch. How can I help you? Yeah. What the hell, dude? Yeah. Yeah. But he knows exactly how to do it, and so I'm sure nobody thought nothing about it. And then, except for the guy at the counter going, who is this guy? And, you know, just walking out, and, and especially if he worked there, and you never seen this guy before. Yeah. So it's pretty wild. Yeah, so... Richard's standing there, and he's looking at this guy that he knows everybody that works there, and he's never seen him before. Right. So this, like, this is kind of confusing. You know alarm bell's going off crazy in his dude's head. Yep. He's like, what the hell? But Richard, he finishes his order. Yeah. And this is when Mitchell tells him to go wait in his car. Yeah. Yeah, just go on uh, wait in your car, buddy. I'll bring your pizza out to you. Yeah. Okay. So I guess Richard's kind of, you know, putting two and two together at this point. Right. And there's no cell phones or nothing, so he just got to go sit in his car and wait. Mm-hmm. You know, he can't, he's like, he's probably freaking out about it, the whole deal, but I mean, he can't do anything yet. Mm-hmm. So Mitchell goes to the back and makes Richard pizza. <laughs> Fixes him a pizza. This dude, man. He's all over the place. I mean, he's just, I guess he's just, I was going to say cool, calm, and collected, but like, hell, I guess that's all you can say. 
But he makes Richard's pizza, then takes it out there to Richard. Yeah, here you go, buddy. Have a good night. Yeah. <laughs> but Richard drove off, and he went to a payphone. Yeah, straight to a payphone. Yeah, and he called his manager there that worked there at the store. Right. So I and, believe the place is getting robbed, boss. Yeah. And then he hung up and called the cops. Yeah. And told them the same thing. So, man, you think about it. If, if Richard don't stop in, what's going to happen? Who knows, you know? Mm-hmm. But this was when Mitch, he ordered Corey and Ed to get into the walk-in cooler. Yes. So they get in the walk-in cooler, and it's, you know. Pretty cold. Yeah, about 35 degrees, you know. It's not. It's cold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he um, tied Corey's hands behind his back and took the rope and put it over the top shelf of the rack. Yeah, it's like a three-tier rack. Yeah. Yeah. And then pulled it down so that Corey's arms were like. Extended way over his head. Yeah. Yeah. And it's on his tiptoes. Yep. So if he come off his tiptoes, it'd be like he was being hung. Well, he pulled it tight over the tiptoes and then tied the other end around his neck. Yeah. Yeah, like you said. So if he come off his come off his tiptoes, then the, the tension goes around his neck. So he basically would hang himself. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine? No. And it's 35 degrees. Yeah. So you know your feet's going to get numb. Yeah. End up hanging yourself. I mean, you could you could you could hold out a while, but I don't know how long. Mm-mm. And then he tied uh, the other guy up the same way. Tied it up the same way. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's when they said, "Well, well, what happened to John? What's going on with that?" And they said, "Don't worry about it. They'll find him after they find you." Yes. Mm, wow. So that's when they shut the door to the walk-in cooler, and they left a little after midnight. And yep. Just left them in there. Yep, left them for dead. I guess. I guess. I guess because they didn't, they didn't know these guys. Right. They wasn't like ones they'd work with like he did in um, Charleston. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it made it a little bit different, I guess. Yeah, but, you know, it ain't like Mitch ain't very recognizable. Yes. <laughs> We're going to post some pictures of Mitch. <laughs> I mean, he is very distinctive looking. Yeah. Yeah. He's got the hair bear bunch going on. Mm-hmm. But Richard was able to get a hold of the police, and they did discover that it was being robbed. But when they got there, they found Corey and Ed hanging from the shelves, struggling to keep themselves from choking to death. I yeah. think they had managed to loosen a box and be able to stand on that. Yeah, I think it knocked, it knocked a box off the shelf or something. Yeah. This is about 1230, I'm guessing. Yeah, so they had they hadn't been in there too awful long. But, but still, it's 35 degrees. Yeah. It don't take very long. No, it doesn't. Right. Especially if you're hanging. <laughs> but they were able to save these two guys, and they got them warmed back up. Right. They cut them down, come in there to save the day. Yes, they And did. then they go, shit, wait, what about John? So they got looking to find out where that pizza had been delivered to. Right. It's like there's another one, a delivery driver, and then they got to telling the cops about the guy coming in wearing his shirt and everything. So that's when they went to look back to look to see where they had delivered the pizza to. And it was to the... 205. Room 205. And when they got there, they had the manager open up the door. Mm-hmm. And they noticed the sound of some water running from the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And when they got in there, they had discovered John Harrigan's body was in the bathtub. Yep, he's dead. And the tub was full of water. And John's body was submerged under the water. And he was laying on his right side. And his hog tied. Yes. Which kind of means you just got your hands and feet tied together behind your back. That's that's crazy, man. Yeah. But then the cold water was blasted on the back of his neck and his head was just under the water. Yeah. I think the I think the drain plug was broken, but the water had filled up all the way up to the overflow valve, so it wasn't running in, into the floor, but it was definitely full of water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think um, I read, too, that 
it wasn't determined if he died from strangulation or drowning because they did find a little bit of water in his lungs. Yeah, but not very much. Mm-mm. And I think uh, basically the ligature is what killed him, but I guess it doesn't really matter in the end. No, it don't matter. Right. But there was a sock tied around his head to hold the washcloth. In. There was a washcloth in his mouth. Too. Yeah, a washcloth in his mouth, a sock around his head. Mm-hmm. And then he had a pillowcase over his entire head tied with a rope ligature and there's the same kind of knots that was on all the other ropes. Yes. But they didn't find any money or car keys belonging to John there at the hotel or the room or anything like that. Right. Now, I think the, the ligature was pretty deep into his neck, so that's probably basically what killed him. And then they had a like a, some kind of frothy stuff in his lungs. It wasn't very much. It was more foamy, I think, mm-hmm. what they found. But that, yeah. that would be way later autopsy report. But get this. They did manage to get a fingerprint. Yeah, one fingerprint. Off the inside of a toilet paper roll. Who's, who's smart? That's smart, man. Who would think to look there, man? I don't know. That's that's awesome police work. But it ended up being a match to Mitchell Sims. Yep. As careful as he is about, you know, always being overbearing about fingerprints. Mm-hmm. The one on the inside of the toilet paper roll. Yep. Hmm. Now, now, get this, Dale. When they were in the Domino's and they were robbing it, they mentioned to the two guys working there they were going to san francisco yeah they said uh he had asked the guys what time did somebody come in the next day to open the freezer and they said it'd be 11 o'clock mm-hmm. so he had planned on leaving them there all night and he said well by 11 o'clock we'll be in san francisco yeah right um but they didn't go to san francisco no Mm-mm. nope that was kind of like a little sucker thing here yeah a little sucker punch maybe yeah. i don't know rope a dope mm-hmm. i'm just kidding we ain't really going there Mm-mm. now get this the Glendale, California police, they ended up calling the Domino's corporate office, and they were trying to find out about the murders in Hanahan, South Carolina. And they were trying to think that they might, that the two might be connected in some way. Well, they had a lot of similarities. Yep. Said, yeah. But both Domino's franchises on both sides of the country, you know, they, were, they got together and compared notes. Mm-hmm. And they did find similarities. Pretty cool. Yes. Two dominoes on opposite ends of the country. Well, hell, it shouldn't be hard for them to figure out if they were similar. They knew the guy, you know, before he passed away, gave him his name and the description, you know, and these guys surely know his description. And if they were paying attention, they knew his name was Mitch because mm-hmm. when he answered the phone. And even when they went to the hotel room, you know, and went to get the manager to open the door, it was uh, registered in Mitch's name. Yeah. Yeah. How crazy is that? How stupid is that? Yeah. I mean, nowadays, it's probably almost impossible to uh, put a hotel room in a fake name. Mm-hmm. But then it wouldn't have been, especially a little mo- flea motel like they were staying in. Yeah. And Corey and Ed, they went to the police station. They showed them a bunch of uh, mug shots. And mm-hmm. they did pick Mitchell out of... Uh, yeah, immediately. They yes. showed them like eight pictures, but they, as soon as they saw him, they knew exactly They knew who exactly was. who it was, yeah. And actually, they were getting to the point where they were going to... Uh, put mitchell sims on the fbi's 10 most wanted list it was getting to that point crazy i mean they were on a killing spree across the country pretty much yeah yeah they were going to get him so these two dominoes they got together and the corporate office of dominoes they offered up a hundred thousand dollar reward for any information leading to the capture mm-hmm. and this was 1985 so Hundred thousand bucks in nineteen eighty five, man, that's a pretty good chunk of change. Heck yeah, it's pretty good chunk of change now. Yeah. So on December the twenty first, this was eleven days 
after the murder of John Harrigan there in Glendale, California. Uh, police, they find an abandoned truck in a casino parking lot in Las Vegas, Nevada. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wouldn't you like to know where that was when you was out there? Mm-hmm. I could have just went over and checked it out. Yep. <laughs> you could have. Could have made a little little video in there. That would have been cool. But when they found the truck, um, they traced it back to John Harrigan, and it had been wiped clean. Mm-hmm. And everything else... Um, had been wiped down, but they found John's domino uniform and tag on the inside. Yep, his name tag and his uniform. Yep. And just before midnight on Christmas Eve, the police there in Las Vegas, they got an anonymous tip. Sure did. That Mitch and Ruby were hiding out in a motel nearby. Mm-hmm. And the police, they, they found the hotel and immediately went to it. What they did, they got an anonymous tip from a man that had been in a local bar there in Las Vegas, and he didn't end up having a few drinks with Mitch and Ruby. Yeah, he was hanging out with them. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure they were telling him everything they'd done. Well, not everything they'd done, but where they were staying. and Oh, yeah, where they're hanging out, blah, blah, blah. And it was all partying together. You know, him looking like he does, it's not going to be that hard to figure out who he is once you ever saw the picture. Yep, exactly. So he uh, he called in the tip. Yes, to he let did. Him know where he was staying. Yep, and this guy it hadn't been disclosed, but he ended up getting a hundred thousand dollar reward. Mm-hmm. Well, he deserved it. Yeah, you know. And then when they got ready to go over there to to get them to go over to this this motel, you know, they didn't know what was going to happen. You know, they, they thought maybe this guy's going to go out in a damn you know blaze of glory to say. Yeah, but when they get to the hotel, they go to the door and yeah, they're loaded for bear. Everybody in the parking lot, guns just ready to go. All pointed at the door. Yep. And Mitch opens the door. Knock on the door and he opens the door. <laughs> Hands raised above his head. Yep. Yeah. That was it. And Ruby is sitting there on the bed. Yep. So they they arrested him without incident. Yeah, he said it was probably the one of the easiest arrests they've ever made. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even imagine. I mean, doing all this all across the country and then just... Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that police chief, he was probably just nervous as hell about knocking on that door and just thinking what was going to happen, you know? Mm-hmm. But they searched the room top to bottom, and they did find the fully loaded twenty-five caliber gun. It was under the mattress, mm-hmm. and they found the cash bag from the Glendale robbery. Right. And it was on a table by the bed. And this is the weird part, Dale. They found a yellow page that was torn out from the Las Vegas phone book where Mitch and Ruby had circled local pizza places mm-hmm. that they were in the process of playing their next hit. Yep. So they was already setting their sights on the next the next one. Yes. Merry Christmas to somebody. Yeah. Crazy. But Mitch, he surrendered without incident. But Ruby, she uh, was throwing Mitch under the bus. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She was saying that she was just along for the ride, and all this was just Mitch that was mm-hmm. doing all this. Yeah. Well, you know that was coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So much for true love. Yeah, and, and I don't think he was really denying a whole lot. I think he even kind of gave a half-assed confession when they got him, didn't he? Yeah, pretty much. Because he asked them about the two guys there in North Charleston. You know, so they didn't want to leave any witnesses. Right. Yeah, they asked him why he had to kill him. He said, well, he didn't want to leave no witnesses. That's crazy, man. And especially if he worked for them or mm-hmm. worked with them. They knew who he was. It was just sad. But I think the one thing that got Ruby was that um, the John Harrigan there in Glendale, California – Mm-hmm. because they don't think that Mitch was able to put him in the tub by himself. Right. They think that she 
she had, had to help him in some capacity. Yes, to be able to, to get him in there. So she was an accomplice in all this. But she was claiming that Mitch had dragged her into all this. But the two guys there in Las Vegas, when all this went to trial, they claimed that they were like a team. Mm-hmm. You know, they were just like feeding off each other to be yeah. able to. Bonnie pull, and Clyde, you know. Yeah, to be able to pull this off. But now they would end up being charged in both states, in California and South Carolina. Mm-hmm. But there was no connection with Ruby to the South Carolina killings. No, and really, it's, it's, I, don't, I don't even know, did she know what was going on at that point? I mean, yep. She may have. I don't even think she went with him, did he? Or if she did, we don't know. Yeah. Like I said, they were both killed, so who knows mm-hmm. if she was there or not. Yeah. And I'm sure they didn't have any surveillance in 1985. But they had a better case on her in California. Yeah, definitely. So that's where she was tried. Yeah, because I think even the two governors from the states got together and decided that it's best to do it there. Yeah. Because of that, that mm-hmm. reasoning, yeah. But Mitch was tried in California. Mm-hmm. And he was found guilty and sentenced to death. Sentenced to death. By the gas chamber. Even in California. Yes, this was in 85, so they had death by the gas chamber. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then... He was sent to South Carolina stand trial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think he had to deliberate at least six days in California before they gave him the death penalty. Mm-hmm. But in South Carolina, I think it was just a couple hours. Wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Pretty much, yeah. But he was also found guilty in South Carolina mm-hmm. for those two murders. Those two Navy boys working at the Domino's. Right. And I think she was charged in California with three counts of armed robbery and two counts of attempted murder. And one count of first-degree murder yes. with special circumstances. Yes. Yeah, six days. She was uh, found guilty of first-degree murder with special circumstances and uh, but was acqu- and the robbery, but she was acquitted of the two counts of attempted murder. Mm-hmm. But she still received life in prison without the possibility of parole. Yes. But now as far as Mitch is concerned, he received the death penalty. Mm-hmm. But the prosecution, they had described Mitch as a angry, violent man who was just seeking revenge. And once he started killing, he got a taste for it. Mm-hmm. And in Mitch's mind, he is a victim. Yeah, he's probably still mad about that bonus. Yeah. And, you know, he'd been wronged and trying to regain his power. Anybody that takes him from him, pretty much. So I don't know if all this stems from his childhood or what. Like I said, I think they got Rue because you know, they decided that it would just been too difficult for Mitch to drag and lift John, who was hogtied already, into the bath by himself. You mm-hmm. know? I mean, even though the kid was only 21, he's still full grown, you know. And at this point, I don't think Mitch was going to pick him up by himself, put her in there. So I think that's what got her, even though it was circumstantial, I still think that's what got her convicted. Yeah. But as Mitch, I think his lawyers are just trying to get him off the death penalty. Oh, yeah. You know, they they knew he'd done it. Right. But they were just trying to save his ass, I guess. Yeah. But it didn't, it didn't work. It wasn't working. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, it's because, you know, they had actually went in and said that um, they claimed that Mitch tied him up and put him in the bathtub, but the drowning was an accident. Mm-hmm. That that's what they were saying. Yeah, and uh, they're like, yeah, and I don't think that's going to work, brother. You know, because, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then that's why I think even though they, you know, because of the actually the drowning, they didn't really know if that's what killed him anyway. So, but it's still, you know, I mean, I guess what else are they going to say? Because I mean, it's pretty much cut and dried, right? So, yep. 
so I don't know. But both of them are serving their time in California state prisons. Mm-hmm. Ruby is currently at the California Institute for Women in Corona, and Mitch is on death row in San Quentin. Right, even though death is illegal right now. Yeah. You know, because California, like, we'll kill them, we won't kill them, we will kill them, we won't kill them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so right now it's on the, the won't kill them. But he is, uh, like I said, second in line yeah. whenever if it's ever reinstated. Yeah. But now there's a petition going around to save Ruby to try to at least maybe get her before the parole board. Right. To less, at least hear her case because in her trial it never came out about her childhood. Hmm. You know, which may have helped her a little bit, but. Yeah, I don't know. But, you know, if that ever happens, then she may get to go before the parole board, but I don't think she'll be ever, ever be getting out. No. Mm-mm. No, because they're trying to say basically she was just influenced by by the man, you know, kind of like the the beaten wife syndrome or whatever, battered women's syndrome or whatever it's called. Yeah, um, you know, they're just trying to say it's basically she just was doing what she's told. Well, I don't think that's helping her none either. It's like, well, she just does what she's told. And that, in that scenario, then who's to say the the next one wouldn't be the same? Yep, but both of them have exhausted all their appeals. Yeah, they're done. So, but what's crazy is. All this crime took place over a three-week period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On December. Yeah. Just right up to Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is crazy, man. It's a crazy story. Crazy story, man. When that dude, when he walked in there and pulled that shirt up and like Superman showing me he had that kid's shirt on, man, that just had to be Can you imagine? mind-blowing. Yeah. I can't even imagine. But anyway, that is um, the case of... Mitchell Sims and Ruby Paget. That's it. That is it. All right, Dale. We are going to get out of here. Let's roll. We want everyone to be safe, be careful, and don't pass any counterfeit money. <laughs> because the next episode could be about you. This is the, the Crack, Crack House, House Chronicles. Chronicles.